Welcome. This is jazz, just the way we like it. My name is Alfonso Severos, and this is my weekly jazz podcast, recorded live at Brick Arts in downtown Brooklyn, the People's Republic of Brooklyn. We play those classic jazz songs of the 1950s, the 1960s, the 1970s. We also play some of the modern stuff here and there. We play those songs, we discuss it, and we also include discussions on politics and social issues. I play music that I listened to as a young man, grew up with, and here I am now playing it for your pleasure. And also to introduce a younger generation to that fabulous American art form known as jazz. I'm always in the studio with my Long-time friend for over 60-plus years, Lawrence Williams. Hey, Larry, what's up, good buddy? Samson Fonz, how are you? How are you today? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. 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 Glad to hear that. Yeah, ready to get this podcast rolling, All man. All right, my man. Let's get it going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, today's podcast is going to focus on jazz, two jazz composers and arrangers, Quincy Jones and Oliver Nelson. Some of you heard of Quincy Jones and maybe less heard of Oliver Nelson, but they were two important arrangers, composers in the history of jazz. Uh, But before we get to them, you know, we always start the podcast off playing a song that addresses issues of social justice or songs that deal with the human situation. Here's a song, folks. Goes back. Lift every voice and sing. It was originally written by James Weldon Johnson. And he wrote it for the Florida Baptist Academy in Jacksonville, Florida in the year 1900. And he wrote it as a poem. First, he was going to write it to celebrate Abraham Lincoln's birthday, but then he decided to write it aimed at civil rights movement and the ongoing struggle of African-Americans against Reconstruction and uh, against segregation and Jim Crow. Lift every voice and sing. A few years later, his brother, Rosamond Johnson, took the poem and put it to music. And it became known, as we know it, originally, the NAACP called it the Negro National Anthem. Later on, it became the Black National Anthem. Here's Lift Every Voice and Sing by Brandy Younger. So sit back, folks, and enjoy. Thank you. 
Brandy Younger, lift every voice and sing. That song always get to me. I don't know what it is about it, but uh, I guess I associate it so much with, with uh, what its original intent was, the struggle of, of African-Americans, the struggle of, of black folks. She is an up-and-coming contemporary artist who idol is, was or is Alice Coltrane. Beautiful. Yeah, well, you know, Alice, she played that, that harp yeah. um, in a couple. Um, she really introduced me to harp, the harp and, and jazz. Um, I think like when she was out, the, the uh, there was another one, but I can't remember the name. But yeah. uh, but Alice was uh, definitely yeah. knew how to play that harp. And this lady here, Brandy as well, um, there the music was is so clear and crystal, crystal oh, yeah. clear. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and she went up an octave at one point in, in this uh, rendition yeah. that was really, uh, I noted it, was really good. I mean, like, she knows what she's doing. She yeah. definitely knows what she's doing. Definitely an up-and-coming uh, artist. Uh, well, she's here already, folks. She's here. And this is a great rendition of our song for social justice, Lift Every Voice and Sing. You know, I didn't hear this song until I was in my teens because in the North they just didn't do it. But my friends in the South told me they used to sing that song in elementary school. You know, uh, Lift Every Voice and Sing, James Welding Johnson. All right, folks, uh, let's get things moving here, Larry. Today's show is about two pretty famous jazz arrangers and composers, Quincy Jones and Oliver Nelson. Uh, two trailblazers who were known for not only their arrangement, but also their composition. But before we jump into their music and discuss these two great guy musicians, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And the Democratic Republic of the Congo was given independence in 1960. And the first president, Latrice, Patrice Lumumba, you folks, you know, I'm sure you heard of him, uh, was elected the first president. He had high hopes for the Congo. His knew, he knew, like everyone else, that the Congo was one of the richest natural resources countries in the world. They had the potential to have the kinds of resources and power and income like Saudi Arabia. But they didn't have oil. They had gold. But more important, they had cobalt. And cobalt is that mineral, that metal that's used in lithium-ion batteries. Well, when Patrice Lumumba became president, within a week, Belgium, that country in Europe that has a history of colonialism and exploitation, brutal history, in Africa, seized the area that 
the minds were in. And Lumumba did not have the military strength to do anything about it. So he went to the United Nations and asked the United Nations for support. They turned him down. He asked the other Western countries. They turned him down. He wanted to have those minerals, that wealth, to better the Congolese people. So what did he do? He had no other option but to approach Russia. So he approached Russia. Within a week or two, he was dead. Uh, the American intelligence, Belgium intelligence, seized him. You got to remember, this was 1960, the height of the Cold War. And the idea that this country would go towards Russia with all those minerals, with all that natural resource, was just not going to happen. So they seized him. And that's not that strange, you know. The United States, a few years ago, went into Haiti and took the president out and during the night. Uh, well, at least he lived. But in this case, Lumumba, he did not live. They tortured and they killed him. And ever since then, the Congo has been a wreck. Well, bring us today... Uh, Outside of getting rid of Lumumba, the United States and a lot of European countries had very little to do with uh, the African nations. Provided very little help. They had a big window and an opening. And you know who came in? China. 54 countries in Africa. China's in damn near every one. At least the sub-Sahara. Either building infrastructure or, or some other kind of developmental uh, uh, relationship. China came into Congo, developed all these mines. And not only is there Chinese mines, there's hundreds of smaller mines that uh, people and companies, small companies, just dig for the cobalt. Now the thing of it is, this kind of mining is not designed for an adult. It's designed for kids. So the kids are doing the digging with their hands and pulling up the co cobalt with its radioactivity and other ill health effects. Uh, the Congo is one of the few countries in the world that does not have free primary education. They have to pay to go to elementary school, and most people in the Congo can't afford it. Maybe they can send a kid to school one or two years, and then they can't. So the options are simple. Either we starve to death or we send the kids to the mine to pick and, and, and mine the cobalt. They get paid between 75 cents and $2.50 a day, and that feeds the family. Uh... It is one of the most blatant forms of child abuse, children exploitation, child labor abuse, anywhere on the planet is occurring in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. It is occurring because of corrupt officials. It is occurring because 
the international community is turning its eye away from the human rights and child abuse situations. It is occurring because the Chinese have no system of rights of children. It's about the cobalt and the profit. 70% of the world profit comes, I mean, of the cobalt comes from the Belgium Congo. It provides 70%. Now, that is the mineral that's in the lithium batteries. Now, here's the thing. Cobalt is in demand like never before. Batteries now account for over 50% of the global cobalt assumption. With electric vehicle sales predicted, predicted to surge from 6.5 million in 2021, 6.5, to 66 million electric cars by 2040. And those electric cars are driven by cobalt, lithium, iron batteries. And you see it in the, in the bikes. Battery bicycles with the lithium iron batteries. That is our issue. That is what we need to people to speak up about. Notify local officials. Get involved. This is a rich country. Larry? I just think that... Uh they need to do something about that as soon as possible uh, so that, you know, that they can, you know, become a better nation uh, right now uh, to be, to have all those riches, riches or uh, minerals and not to be a better nation than what they are, at least with educating their people and creating a better infrastructure uh, for the people, it's just crazy. It's yeah, just, it's right, just crazy. Um, <clears throat> and I just uh, wish that they could do better. But I don't know uh, if there could be some outside pressure from <clears throat> countries other than China for them to do better. I don't know if that can ever happen or not. Uh, it's not impossible. Uh, but those other nations would have to see that as something that would be of interest to them, that would uh, benefit them. And I don't think that um, uh, helping an African nation um, is beneficial to the Western world. Otherwise, they would be there. Uh, otherwise, yeah. otherwise, they would be there. That's, the, that's the, the other crime. The first crime is the abuse of kids. The second crime is the silence of the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it sort of like reminds me of the blood diamonds. You yeah, know? yeah. It sort of like reminds me of the same yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's where, uh, you know, and then, then once people became aware of it, uh, you know, it became like, you know, the, I think the blood diamonds, uh, I don't know if they've stopped, but I know that there's sure. a lot of people. A lot of people have not uh, yeah. uh, bought. Ab absolutely, have not bought diamonds that are considered yeah. blood diamonds. Now, now you know how. Okay, diamonds were just with mainly being brought by people with money. Right. 
but everybody has smartphones. Yes. And every smartphone has lithium batteries yes. with cobalt. Yes. This affects everybody everywhere. Yes. So those voices need to speak up. This can change. Oh, it can. It can. Yeah. It can. It's not an impossibility. It's just that you, you got to get the right type of pressure. Yeah. Uh, and I think like what, what you're doing right now by uh, making us aware of the fact that this is what's happening. Because I, I really didn't know uh, until, you know, until you brought this up that that, that uh, that's how the, the cobalt, I didn't realize that. Uh, I know. That the Congo had had you know like seventy yeah. percent of the, of the world's uh, cobalt. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> that, that should be a, a rich nation. That, that should be. They got a monopoly. They, yes. I mean, basically, they a got natural a monopoly. They got a natural monopoly, and they should they should be like like you said, like Saudi Arabia. You know, yeah. like those countries. I mean, they they. They have human rights issues too, but if you look at the country, the country looks beautiful. I don't know. They take about care of their people. They t- they're taking care yeah. of their people, and this is something that we need. We need to do as well. Yeah. As as uh, as an African nation. Yep, Larry, you're right, brother. All right, man. So, folks, you know, bring it to other people's attention. Let's get it out there. Bring it to the politicians. Yep. Yeah. All right. Like I told you, today's show is about jazz composers and arrangers, two in particular, Quincy Jones and Oliver Nelson. Many people have not heard of Oliver Nelson, but he's a jazz saxophonist, a clarinetist, a composer, brand leader. His album in 61, The Blues and the Abstract Truth in 1961, is regarded as one of the most significant recordings of that era. And the centerpiece of that album was a piece called Stolen Moments. And we're going to play Stolen Moments in in a little while. Uh, But Oliver Nelson in 1952 was in the Marine Corps, in the band, and he was stationed in Korea and Japan. And while he was in Japan, he went to a, a Philharmonic concert, something he didn't do in the States, because a lot of the symphony halls, blacks weren't allowed at that time. And he heard this orchestra, and he realized that orchestra's music doesn't necessarily have to sound like Beethoven. And it moved him. And so when he came back to the States, he went to college, uh, Washington University in St. Louis, and eventually Lincoln University. Master's degrees in in music and arrangement, and he took it from there. He ended up a career in which he did arrangements for many jazz artists, including Theodorus Monk, Cannonball Oddly, Sonny Rollins, Eddie Lockjaw Davis, Johnny Hodges, Wes Montgomery, Buddy Rich, Jimmy Smith, Billy Taylor, Stanley Turrentine, and he also helped do the arrangement for the music written by Sonny Rollins for the movie Alfie. Uh, So he went on with a wonderful career and then moved into television and ended doing the the music arrangements for a number of hit TV shows like Einstein, Night Gallery, Columbo, The Six Million Dollar Man. He also arranged for Gato Barberi's music 
for Last Tango in Paris, and he ended up working on albums doing arrangement for pop stars like James Brown, Nancy Wilson, The Temptations, and Dinah Ross. Oliver Nelson, folks. He died in October 1975 at the age, the young age of 43. Uh, So we're going to start off today's show with one of Oliver Nelson's famous pieces called The Six Million Dollar Man. A piece that was used for the theme music for the television show, Six Million Dollar Man. Sit back and enjoy his composition and his arrangement. And he also plays sax.
Oliver Nelson, Six Million Dollar Man. Larry, what'd you think of that piece? Oh, man, that was, wow. <laughs> I, you know, I'm trying to remember the show. I do remember the show. Uh, I forgot the name of the actor. Uh, but I didn't realize that that was the music behind the show. Man, that is a beautiful piece, man. I, I, I mean, the organ, the sax, everything was just, 
Yeah. That was pure jazz, man. That was just yeah. pure jazz. There's so much going on in, in that song, different um, instruments yes, uh, at yeah. the same time, simultaneously, yet all blending together. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I didn't realize that Oliver was uh, a black man. I always thought he was, uh, uh, I never, you know, never saw it. I mean, I, you know, I've heard his name, like, uh, talked about, like, in, in uh, uh, TV shows and movies, I always thought he was uh, uh, a white uh, white man, but uh, that's good to know. Okay. Uh, that was uh, Oliver Nelson, uh, $6 million man. Oliver Nelson is the first jazz composer, arranger that we're going to listen to. And the second one is uh, Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones. Mr. Jones was born in 1933. He's a record producer, songwriter, composer, arranger, film and television producer. His career spans over 70 years. He had 80 Grammy Award nominations in which he won 28 Grammys, including the Grammy Legend Award in 1992. Now, he came into prominence in the 1950s as a jazz arranger and conductor. One of the persons that really insisted of him to be the arranger on all his pieces, Frank Sinatra. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. If you got, if you were doing a record with Frank Sinatra, you had to get Quincy Jones, or he was called Q, to do the arrangement. And also he did work with uh, Count Basie. He became the first African-American to be nominated for Academy Award for Best Original Song. Okay? And he was also nominated in Academy Awards for Best Original Score for his work in 1967 on the film In Cold Blood, making him the first to be nominated twice in the same year. He produced three of the most successful albums by Michael Jackson, Off the War, Thriller, and Bad. And in 1985, he produced that charity record, We Are the World. Quincy, I mean, Quincy Jones. Here we go, folks. And the piece we're going to listen to is a piece that has a heck of a lineup including Roland Kirk, Freddie Hubbard, Grady Tate, Hubert Laws, just to name a few. Killer Joe. Yes. Killer Joe. Listen to this.
Quincy Jones, Killer Joe, what an arrangement, Larry. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, Hubert Laws and, oh, man, there was so many. Freddie Hubbard. Freddie Hubbard, man. Oh, man, that was just such a beautiful composition. Uh, I, I remember that one. Actually, I remember when, when, that, when that one came yeah, out. Yeah, it came out in 1969 yeah. on the Walking in Space album. Um, this was one of his best sellers, Killer yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah. With uh, Quincy Jones. Also, uh, Oliver Nelson, one of his best sellers were Stolen Moments. And Stolen Moments came out in 1961. And that had Freddie Hubbard again. Freddie Hubbard was playing all over the place. Yeah. Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, Eric Doffy on wow. alto sax, Oliver. Nelson, of course, on tenor sax. George Barrow on baritone sax. Three sax, I mean, two, three sax players. Bill Evans from the Miles Davis group was on piano. Paul Chambers was on bass. And Roy Hayes was on the drums. This is the song in which made Oliver Nelson a household name. So... Sit back and enjoy.
Stolen Moments, the 1961 recording by Oliver Nelson on the Blues Abstract Truth album with Paul Chambers, Eric Doffrey, Bill Evans, Roy Hayes, and Freddie Hubbard. Larry, what you think? That was beautiful, man. Um, I didn't realize that that was his composition. I didn't realize that was him that did that. Uh, but that is, I've, I've I've heard that, I've heard that before, and and um, I don't know, um, maybe like on a uh, a TV show or something like that, and uh, I I didn't realize it was him. So this is, yeah, I'm learning a lot of stuff today. Yeah, yeah, man, that was that was the one for him, man. That put his name out there. Uh, Stolen Moments, a beautiful title. Yeah. And the yeah. title of the album, The Blues and the Abstract Truth. Okay, got to go with that. Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, brilliant. Also brilliant is Quincy Jones. Here's a piece. Gulu Matare. Ah, yes. My God. The voice is Valerie Simpson. Hubert Laws on flute, Milk Jackson on the vibes, uh, Herbie Hancock on the piano, Ron Carter on the bass, Grady Tate on the drums, and Freddie Hubbard on the horn with about 20 other musicians. Too many to name. <laughs> Gulu Matare. I got this album in the house. I used to play it to yeah. death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quincy Jones, folks, and listen to this arrangement. Okay, you know that's not Gulu Matari. What's <laughs> <laughs> the other one that I did not want to play? But uh, I'll play that later. I want to play. Make sure I get Gulu Matari in here. And here it is, folks. Sorry about that. I was playing uh, Bridge Over Troubled Waters, but we're going to go out on Bridge Over Troubled Waters. But first, let's listen to Gulu Matari. Oh, mm-hmm. 
arrangement, composition, pure genius, pure absolute genius. That's Quincy Jones, Gula Matare, recorded in 1970. What an arrangement, what a composition, Larry. Yes, man, that was beautiful, man. Once again, uh, Quincy doing his thing. Uh, man, he was such an arranger and composer, man. That is unbelievable, the amount of work that came from him and the quality of that work was always on point. Yeah. Always on point. Yeah. Folks, we've been listening, we've been playing two giants, two geniuses, two brilliant arrangers and composers in the jazz world. Uh, the late Oliver Nelson and, of course, the great Quincy Jones. I hope you enjoyed the pieces that we played because we definitely enjoyed playing them for you. Uh, but it's getting to be that time. Larry? Yep. Time to say so long, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> buddy, man. It's always good having you in here with us, Larry. Same here. Same here. You know, I love being here, man. So I'm going to make up for my mistake, folks. I said we're going to go out on... Quincy's Peace, Bridge Over Troubled Waters, and we will. So, enjoy. And as always, until the next time, peace and love.
Come on.